0: We recently got asked a question inside of the Product Boss Mastermind in one of our hot seat calls that the question was, I would like to brainstorm ideas about the best ways to capitalize on Father's Day as it's coming up and I want to get in front of it. I feel like last year did not go as well as I had hoped, but I'm not really sure why. And now as we supported this masterminder in that question inside of the mastermind, I wonder to ask all of you, do you ever have questions like this? So if you are making $250,000 to multi-million dollars a year, I'd love for you to consider the Product Boss Mastermind because at this stage in your product business, you are looking for high-level strategy support and a group of people who get it and encourage you to go after those goals you've only dreamed of. Now, the Product Boss Mastermind is where industry-leading multi-six and seven-figure product bosses scale, connect, and thrive inside an exclusive community for multi-six and seven-figure product bosses. So if you're interested in getting an application in, head to Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. We are doing a really fun episode today. It's a small Biz Founders episode. Again, I'm Jacqueline, and this is Mina, the co-founder of The Product Boss and your co-host. And we're going to jump right in. So we're excited to welcome to the show today, Maria Desmondi, and she is the owner of Cardinal Rule Press. So welcome to the podcast, Maria. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We're so excited to have you. We we have the honor of working with you right now in our mastermind, but we've actually known you for years. Um, You were sort of famous to us, actually, in the, the, you were, in the virtual world of like people talk about you and um, we were part of the BizChicks community and other communities. And so we've known about you for years and we're so honored to be able to work with you too. This
2: is the first I've heard of that. And (laughs) I have always fangirled you. So that's
0: funny. That is so funny. (laughs) So funny. And now we're friends and um, we get to work Yay! together. So tell our listeners a little bit about what Cardinal Rule Press is. Cause this is actually a different type of business product business than we've ever had on the show. Oh, very cool. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, Cardinal Rule Press is a publishing company and we are traditional, so we do not charge any of our um, authors to publish their books. So we finance all of the projects um, and that looks a little bit differently as far as what the authors receive as far as royalties go. But if you think of Scholastic or Penguin, any of the big publishing houses, they operate with a traditional business model as well. And um, so we specifically publish children's realistic fiction So they're books that empower children to be their best selves. And we started doing this many years ago. I actually started out as a writer myself. I wrote 10 books and got a little bored with that and decided I wanted to give the opportunity for other writers to get their books into the world. And I've always been super passionate about the message. So um, Cardinal Rule Press is really, really tuned into helping children to em- feel empowered in their life. And I'm just so hopeful that we can help make a difference.
0: I and love that. that. Is that where Cardinal Rule comes from, the name? How did you name the Yeah.
2: Name? Yeah. Well, in my first book that I wrote, Spaghetti in a Hot Dog Bun, there's a cardinal that appears m- multiple times. And cardinals have always been really special to me. And I don't know I guess maybe my mom told me this, but when my grandmother passed away, when we would see a cardinal, we'd think of my grandmother. And I know a lot of people do that. So uh, that's why I included it in my book. Yeah,
1: we do that too. Um, My sister tells me all the time how she's like, I saw my third cardinal today. You know, there's lots of cardinals in the Midwest here. So tell us where you're from too. So, so listeners can get an idea of where you're from and where you're located.
2: Yeah, I'm also in the Midwest. We're um, in a town outside of the city of Detroit. So we're in um, Wixom, Novi, Michigan. And yeah, I've lived here my whole life. I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so great. So, how did you become a, a children's book writer? Like, did you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to write? you know 10 books for kids or did you have any education in terms of like were you a teacher in the past or what led you to in that direction
2: yeah yeah i was a teacher so i taught for 12 years first and second grade so i studied education with a minor in english so i've always loved books i read books all the time and you know i was in a very diverse community as a teacher and i saw a lot happening with my students of you know, I had a lot of Indian American students and their families would invite me to dinner and they would give me a sari and they would cook this fantastic meal of curries and tandoori chicken. And the students would be embarrassed. My students would be embarrassed that their parents were giving me a sari and that they were, they were welcoming me into their home and sharing all these traditions with them. And it made me sad that they were embarrassed of who they were. And I thought, gosh, I want to teach my kids to be, to be, I called them my kids, my students to be um, you know to have courage to be themselves. And I looked for a book in two thousand and five and all I could find were books with teddy bears and talking dinosaurs. And I realized there weren't a lot of books that actually featured kids that looked like my students. and um so I said, you know I'm gonna write a book and I'm just gonna go on the Google at that time. I don't even know what it looked like in two thousand and five <laughs> and tried to figure out how to do it myself. Yeah, and I guess I'm I'm a very motivated person, so I just didn't stop. I I received, um, I sent out 90 submissions. I received 88 no's, and I received one maybe and one yes.
1: Wow, (laughs) that's amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So and and then I realized at at some point, um, I the book was published, and I had found out I was pregnant. I went back to teaching after I had my daughter um, part time, but I started to do the numbers. And I realized I could be home, working part-time, building this business, and actually make more than teaching. So that was the decision I made. Wow. And so a greater happened.
0: impact, too. Yeah. So then how did you find your next author? Like, when you decided, okay, I'm going to move from being an author to a publishing company, I mean, that's also a really big leap that I wouldn't even know where to start. So how, <laughs> where did that and
2: go? And you know, I should tell everyone that these questions are not planned. You did not give me a heads-up as to what no, you're I didn't. going to <laughs> But um I actually hired a coach and which is why I believe coaching and masterminds are so powerful. Um the coach said just through talking about, you know, what wasn't working for me, what was working, she said, "You know what, Maria, I think you're ready to do this for other people. You're ready to have a business of your own where you publish other people's work." And I was like, "No way. No way I'm not ready for that." Well, then a few months later, an NFL player came to me. He saw me on the news and he said, I want to write a children's book. Can you like do this with me? And I said, OK. So everything that the coach told me was true. And um, I brought him on. I wasn't happy with the business model I brought him on as. I, I did it more as a hybrid model. And so that was kind of like testing the waters. So that was the book um The Little Linebacker was Stephen Tulloch, who's retired from a few teams but he was retired from the Detroit Lions here in Michigan. And so that really sparked my interest. I liked it. I liked being able to push the limelight away from myself and put it on someone else.
1: Wow. You've done a lot of bold moves in your business. I feel like you went from a right well, you went from a teacher to a writer to a publisher, a publishing company, and then now can you tell us a little bit about what your business is now? Because it's even further away from that in how that your business has evolved.
2: Yes, that's a really great question. And I actually made a bold statement the other day that I, I'd like to take a few months off of risk taking. <laughs> 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 I need a little break from risk taking. So the business has evolved. Um, you know, a lot of how I finance the business, you know, people always wonder, like, well, how do you have the money to finance all of these books? Because to print. Publish one children's picture book, if we did it on the low end, it's about $7,000. But, you know, we like to add some fancier features now with our books, like a glossy, you know, high UV coating on the cover. Um, so it's anywhere between like seven dollars to $13,000 is what you're paying to produce that first run of books. And um, so I always finance the business through my speaking. So I was speaking as an author at schools, and that's how I made the money to finance the business. And I operated on cash at all times. And um, well, during COVID, that went away. So COVID took a big hit in my speaking engagements because we weren't going anywhere and no one wanted visitors in schools. And so at that point, I said, you know, what? I need to, to take a pivot and really focus on the sales of the books, not just my speaking. The sales of the books really need to fund this business. And the way it works in the publishing bis- the publishing industry is you have frontlist titles, which are your new books, and then you have your backlist titles, which are the ones that have been around forever. And you really want a couple of those backlist titles to be big sellers because that's what's going to bring in that income every month. So I had like three out of, you know, let's say 18 titles that were are really big sellers. And um, it was a very serendipitous moment that I met a woman who was selling her publishing company and she had another few really good backselling backlist titles. Um, and so I purchased a company and um, it, you know, we closed a few months ago and um, it, all the changeovers
0: happening July 1st. So, so that's another one you acquired a company, which is mm-hmm. big, bold moves right there.
1: And it's not just any company. You don't have to say what it is since I don't know if you're telling the world, but it's this book that I knew about, that Jacqueline knew about. It's just this amazing, big opportunity. I just see such a big vision for you and you see such a big vision for you. So I think that that's the thing with that sets you apart from other people is that you're willing to take the action. You don't necessarily know how to get there, um, but you know enough and you figure it out and you just go for it. So I know you said no risky moves. Of course when you phrase it like that let's just reframe that a little bit, you know. I think that, you know, you've taken the action to get you into these really big opportunities and I think that that will really serve you well even moving forward, but I think that even in the time of 2020 when people were scared and people were like ooh speaking engagements are over and you know that sort of thing. Um you made it work for what you needed it to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, fear comes in a lot, but as soon as it comes in, I push it back out because mm-hmm. it does nothing for me. Um, fear and worry. Um, you know, I mean, at first I thought, gosh, how am I going to afford buying a whole Do you have the fear?
1: It. You know, that's um, kind of where I was leading is like, do you have fears even when you're like, can you speak to like how you deal with yes. them?
2: They come up and then I push them back out. So I don't <laughs> you know, you push I, them down. You push them out. <laughs> yeah. like I No, no down. I don't yeah. put them under a rug, but they come in. I acknowledge them. And then um, it's just like worry. I just acknowledge it. And I say, "What, what is worrying and being fearful about this going to do? It's not going to make me more money. So we're going to push it out. Right. So it, yeah, I definitely get fearful. But yeah. Um, I I guess being a visionary, I think, um, I know that there's a lot of possibility in the world and I'm not afraid to take that risk. And you know what? I don't want to speak to this, this other, I did take another risk that didn't work out so well, but what did I do? And I don't want to, you know, go too deep into it because there's another business involved. I got on my feet again. I just said, okay, this isn't working. It's been a few months. I spoke with other people at our um, mastermind retreat, and I was like, I got to make this big decision, and can I talk to you about this? So I definitely kind of get feedback from other people, and it was a lot of headache and work to make the decision, and I did. So I was fearful. I made a decision. It didn't work out, and then I made another decision to get out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and to be able to make those decisions quicker, you know, even in our company, we've decided that we're going to have like a three time max conversation about something. So if something bugs us the first time we talk about it, we flush it out. Second time we're like, okay, this is getting annoying. That's a second, but let's give it one more go. And if it comes up a third time, it's like, why did we even, you know, third time need to make the change? Cause it's, it's, it's a lot of energy and time wasted on things that we could be putting our time into things that are going to fill us up, you know, and move the worry out. So I love that you made that decision. I've heard of that. Um, Jacqueline, I've heard of that before and
2: you're, you're supposed to be able to use it in your personal life too. If something's (laughs) bothering you, you can only share that thing with three people. And then after that, you need to move on.
0: Mm, I like that. I haven't heard Mm -hmm. that one, but that's good too.
2: Hey,
0: product boss. Okay. This is for you. The other day, we got a message from Lolly asking us if we had a referral for a great inventory management software to help track raw goods and on-hand products that were ready to sell. And you know what we told Lolly? We sure do. Not only do we have a resource for inventory management software, but we have over 308 other business tools and resources that will help you effectively run your product-based business. Now, this ranges from packaging and printing supplies, affiliate management, website and email software... Legal resources, video and photo tools, and so much more. You will have everything you need to grow your dream product business today and at no cost to you. Yep, this is totally free. And you can download the product boss ultimate resource guide right now by heading to theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Again, that's theproductboss.com slash resource guide. Now back to the show.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. the moving on is is the main thing though, right? Like holding on to things and I think that there is a certain thread that comes in for all of us. you know when I was sitting next to you, um, I've had the pleasure of um, sitting next to Maria at, at dinner, which is exciting because we usually don't get to do that, you know with being all virtual but Maria came to our in-person mastermind in in Phoenix that we had recently and I was sitting next to you and you were telling all these stories of when you were a little girl in Detroit growing up and you just seem like you have that grit that, you know, tenacity. So can you talk a little bit about like growing up and did you have entrepreneurial influences? You know, what do you think led you here?
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm getting a little emotional just thinking about it because I want to be that for my own children. My dad, my dad, a hundred percent. I mean, my father was really, he modeled work ethic. He owned a car dealership for many, many years. And then after the car dealership, he went on to something else. He was always testing different companies out and trying new things. And as a, as a child, he, he was just awesome. He was, he's, he's still around and he's still great. But for example, he bought my sister and I our first cars and that's a big deal. But he said, listen, this is how much the car costs. You have to pay me monthly payments back. So you need to find a job. And I was in high school. I didn't even have the car yet. And I started um, taking the school bus to a fried chicken place to work after school so I could start making money. And he said, it's due on the 10th of the month. And if you don't pay me by the 10th, you're going to get a $25 late fee. And guess what? He charged me that late fee. I was late. (laughs) He charged me that late fee. And I started to learn what it was like to have to work, to have to pay for something that you want. And to make payments on time, and he did this in so many ways. And then my dad also uh, he took when we had big celebrations, like uh, we were Catholic, so we would have like catechism or communion and things like that, and people would gift us money. He took that money and he invested the money. And I remember as a kid, my sister and I were always like, "Dad never gives us our money." Blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? When I was in my twenties, he said, "I'm gifting you the your investment." That I the money you, I invested for you, it grew to this amount, and it helped me to make a down payment on my first house when I was in my twenties. Wow! And it was such a gift that he taught us that putting your money away into something that can help it to grow will be beneficial down the road. So absolutely, I had great, great, great models in my dad.
0: Um, It just reminds me of my son did a commercial when he was a baby, like 18 months old. He got like six grand or something, which, you know, was a good starter of a savings. So I remember when he got a little older and I was like, you know, we've got the savings for you. I keep telling him like, you're so cute. You should do commercials. But he's like introvert. Nobody look at me sort of kid. But he cried the first time I told him his money was in a bank. He didn't understand how this bank was locking up his money, you know, but then as he's gotten older, the idea of like your money grows, like the bank gives you interest, you know, it's high yield savings or whatever it is. And it's going to grow to this and this and this. And I think as he was older, he starts to understand it. So there's so many amazing lessons. I think we can teach our kids as entrepreneurs. And obviously you had a father that taught you about money and respecting money and making payments and being responsible for yourself. What do you think you're passing on to your children? What are you trying to share with them?
1: Actually, can you tell the story oh. about what you did for your daughter? This kind of answers this okay. question that Jacqueline had. Remember that the when your daughter turned 13 or the oh. no, last summer. Can yes. you tell that story? Yes. It's so beautiful and I think that this you passing that that along was just like something I took from our conversation.
2: Oh, I'm so glad. Yes. So I read a book and I'm sorry, I'll, I'll, I can't think of what the book's called right now, but it was written by a Christian woman. And it talked about how all these different cultures have this coming of age when children turn 13. Like you have a bat mitzvah or bar mitzvah if you're Jewish and all these different examples. And she said, well, we don't have anything. So she created this own journey for her daughter. So I took that and ran with it. So when my daughter turned 12, every month we explored a different What's it called? Profession. So, based on her passions and her interests. So, she's very creative. She likes to make things. So, we, um, you know, we, one of the things we did was we visited a bakery in Detroit. We met the owner. We talked to the owner who was very young about her job and what she liked to do as a kid. And then sometimes we did Zoom calls with people. So, one of the things my daughter likes children. So, she said, well, maybe social work or being a librarian. So, we interviewed a librarian on Zoom, we interviewed a social worker. Ask questions. We, um, I, my daughter would read books about these different things. We would watch movies that kind of related. Ruby loves to read, so we watched the uh, Book Thief, which was a movie, and she read the book. So we just really dove in deep on all these different things. We would do field trips, books, movies. And then when she turned 13, I invited women in her life, so some of her friends and um, aunts and or like our aunts and neighbors and we had a henna artist there because henna tattoos are a big part of celebration and I gave a speech about my daughter and she was so embarrassed but just how proud I was of her to interview different people and to explore all these passions so that now she knows that her talents and her passions can be part of something that she does when she's a grown-up. Um, I don't want her to feel limited into going into something that you know she has to go to college for and she has to make this amount of money. I want her to know that she can grow something based on what she enjoys and what her interests are. I love that so much. I'm getting a little bit choked up listening to it again. I just
1: think it's so beautiful and such a Thank gift. You. You know, what's so funny, you know, going back a little bit to that whole money thing and what we're teaching our kids, the thing that I was teaching my daughter about money and, you know, you could do anything, like just trying to get to this beautiful thing that, you know, taking what Maria said, this is the beautiful thing about you could do anything you can make your money and blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to build it up. And I'm going to buy a Tesla. That's what she <laughs>
0: said. I was like, okay, okay, you can. It's her goal. <laughs> you yeah. Oliver wants a Mustang. He also has like a Mustang plan for his money. So there you yeah. go. And
1: then we're doubling yeah, whatever they save. Well, it's the so closest. thing about it. It's goal.
0: like <laughs> the closest goal for them, right? Because they're not uh-huh. thinking about a house or like leaving their parents or you know or yeah. like even thinking about having to pay for school. So they're like, ooh, but when I'm 16, I can drive. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> These kids are amazing. Is there anything else like as an entrepreneur that you feel like you want to pass down or any sort of you know that that balance and struggle? Cause I know teachers, you know, as a teacher, and I think you said you had your, you had her while you were working, but you've kind of, maybe you have your summers off and now as entrepreneurs, it's like, I'm not hundred percent sure what time we have off quote unquote, right. It's <laughs> kind of can be at all times, or we can take extreme amount of time off. So how are you finding that balance as you have in this business? Like it is a huge business and you're acquiring a new one as well
2: how do I find the balance? Um, yeah. So yeah, that is tricky because tomorrow's my kid's last day of school. Um. So I, I just, we have routines and schedules to kind of keep it, you know, and my priority is really being with my kids. I love the summer and I love exploring. Um, so I do take a lot more time off for work and, and my teen knows that they know what my boundaries are in the summer. It just looks different. It definitely mm-hmm. looks different. Um, and so I think Like the values based living has been really um, important to me as I've been in this business and just remembering what's important to me. um, You know, I could have grown this business 15 years ago. I really could have. When spaghetti and the hot dog bun came out, I think I could have really gone in different directions. But at that time, I was growing my family. And so I kind of held off on the growth of the business. And there were many opportunities that I turned down because of where I was at in life. And I think it's important to to recognize that. Um the other thing I wanted to speak to is, you know, as much as my dad did really wonderful things when I told him I was leaving teaching to grow this business, he was shocked and said, "Well, you went to college for 6 years to get a degree <laughs> to be a teacher. Now what are you going to do?" And I was like, "Well, I I'm using that degree to do what I'm doing now. But what about your health insurance? You've got great health insurance. So he had all these fears for me. Even though he was a risk taker, he was afraid for what he gave me. Like, is she going to be able to do this? And, um, you know, I think just anyone listening, things are different today. And I really don't think that all children need to go to college. I think the trades right now, people are making big money in the trade business. Like, we need plumbers. We need you know, people to run construction sites and men and we women. Truck drivers, um, I don't that's a The product
0: bosses thing. are requesting truck drivers, please. Truck it's drivers.
2: Exactly, it, it's need-
1: holding up the entire um, supply chain. So truck drivers, please. really, because it's a dying industry, they actually do need people to come in. So please. that's an ad and- for... Yeah, the economy.
2: Thank <laughs> you. I think that's yes, but to, just to put your kids in a box and say you must do this, you must do that, and um, I think things are really changing, and you don't need a college degree to do all of these things. And some children might
0: need might might not need that experience. So you don't need just, a college degree to become a TikToker or a YouTube star. <laughs> 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 that was like the goal of all the kids. But yeah. I 100 percent agree. I mean, I was the first person to go to college in my family, and. And when I, when we were in school, that was what you did. It was like it was that transition where like you had to go to college, and if you didn't go to college, there there weren't opportunities. And I agree, especially with like the beautiful business that Meena and I have created here, and even our own product businesses that we. Yes, I went to school. I went to college. I we studied as a fashion designer, but I am very aligned with you, where I'm like, there's such possibility now for people to be creative and take their gifts and. With the access of streaming services, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, all the things you so reach people. People need education. That's the mm-hmm. thing.
1: So even though it's like, we don't need college, we don't need the degree. I, I agree. I think the trades are great. You need the skill sets and you need to be a lifelong learner and you need mm-hmm. knowledge. So there's lots of people that don't get access to that. So we're, That's you know, for us, we can say, you know, college or no college, but there's some people that don't even get that possibility, but they need access to knowledge, to classes, to Mm -hmm. skill sets, because your dad, you know, when you told him you were leaving, he didn't realize that what he, he thought that you obtained that knowledge from college, but really he gave you those skill sets, you know, Mm -hmm. to be really, you know, to be a lifelong learner, to figure it out, to be really resourceful, to take something and, you know, take nothing and make it into something. So I think that, doing all those things is really important. And I do think that people do need to be lifelong learners because it's like you get to college and you do think, oh, that was it. I got a degree, check that off the list and now I go work in the workforce. But the thing about entrepreneurs that makes them so special is that they need it. They want it. They have that need for creation, that need for knowledge, that need for learning. And I think that you know, if there's anything that I want to teach my kids is that you continue to learn more about yourself, self-awareness, as well as the world around you, you know? So I think no matter what you end up doing, and again, if it's a truck driver, you just keep learning too, you know? Yeah, so. listen to
0: podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: It's true. That you know, truck driver thing. I think that's a, gra- a great kind of like wrap up in the, in the call, but there's recently I love that there. Maria's like ending the podcast. She's like, okay, and, and this is the conclusion of this podcast. Well, I just have to say, kidding, to, to that, uh, Career Builder did a survey a few years ago, and they surveyed all these companies, and the company said, okay, it's great, we're getting 4.2 students, which I didn't even know you could get a 4.2 until recently. Nice. I
0: was like, I thought it stopped at 4.0. Yeah, so, um, Not with APs.
2: <laughs> and so, um, they said, we need, we need. It's great, we're getting all these academic students, but we need. People who can communicate, we need people who can <laughs> um, think outside of the box and go above and beyond and create something. So mm-hmm. it's interesting,
0: um, to to think that way. So I, I agree with you, Mina. Yeah, but the I do. Yeah. I and what I guess are I'm, I'm not saying don't learn because I tell everybody like you should go to college because you grow in college, mm-hmm. like you're independent and all that. But because we're in the arts, so you're even forced to learn, yeah, you know. even actor kids that I know, like, we're like, go still go to school and like grow up a bit there, right? Have that yeah. responsibility to yourself. But it's, it is, I mean, I think it's that general, just well, like well-rounded human that mm-hmm. understands learning and collaboration and, and whatever that looks like for everyone. But it keeps, it lets our kids be a bit more flexible. Like I'm excited about what's to come because you can be more flexible. It's not like I have to go study English and this is what I'm going to be. Like there's so many more opportunities now and like we can create a lot of those ourselves as well. So
2: and Thank your you kids for can
0: read our books. Your kids can I, read our books to get a lot of those skills. So, hundred percent. And that's the beautiful mm-hmm. thing about the company you created, right? I think, like you said, it's a good way to wrap up because it brings it all together and that you are trying to reach children. You know, your, your, your impact is even more than the students within your classroom. Yeah, you're empowering them with
1: skill sets. That's the thing is like, they read those books, they take that gem of knowledge and they're like, oh, this is what, how values and character and all these things happen. And nothing in the world happens without that underlying part of it. So, I mean, what you're giving them truly is a gift
0: from a book. So that's amazing. So tell our listeners um, how they can you know, buy from you, follow you, connect with you, just let them know how to follow Cardinal Rule Press. And what book should they read first? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Okay. So Cardinal Rule Press, you can go to a bookstore. We always say, if you have a bookstore in your town, we'd love for you to start there. Um, but we're all over online. So Cardinal Rule Press website, Instagram, what have you. And you can see, if you're watching, you can see some of the books behind me. We have different languages. So what book should you read first? I would say Spaghetti and a Hot Dog Bun or Chocolate Milk, Por. Of War, which are two books I wrote. Um, they're based on um, stories from my own childhood and um, experiences that I had. And it talks about that in the author's note. And uh, then we have some new releases. This Could Be You is a new release that came out in April and it's by Cindy um, William Schrauben. It is a beautiful book for anyone who's graduating, whether graduating from preschool or graduating from high school, um, because it talks about how the world has so many possibilities for you.
0: Oh, I love that, and I'll say that for our product bosses out there, the world has so many possibilities for you. So I hope that this episode, for yourself. Yeah, I hope this episode inspired <laughs> everyone, and you know any anybody in your life that you're like you want to support a small business as well as authors doing the amazing things for the children and the world. Um, go ahead and support Cardinal Role Press. And Maria, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much, Maria. <laughs>